0: This week, we get back to our team previews and some more news. You won't want to miss this episode of the Indie Ball Report Podcast. Alright, we're back again. Episode number 107 of the Indie Ball Report podcast. This one's going to be short because essentially this week is a team preview, us talking about uh, the Boulders and Team Israel and soccer in a baseball stadium. I'm Nick, he's Will, and this is going to be a quick show.
1: I mean, it's going to be a quick show, but hey, can you really complain? I mean, we brought you the, we brought you Rick White and the Toastman in back-to-back weeks, went uh, an hour and a half to two hours each time. I mean... I think we, we kind of deserve this one, and and, and you know a, a quick week is is never that bad of a thing because hopefully next week some major bombshell drops, and uh and if not we we could talk we could talk about more rosters kind of like we are today.
0: Exactly, we could definitely do roster previews. You're right, we did give you two amazing interviews back to back, so I mean. You know, every once in a while, you're going to have a down week like this. We're still technically in the off season, so this is going to happen. And also, moreover, uh, we also have a bit of a series planned coming up, which we'll talk about at the end of the show. Uh, This series will run throughout April, but like I said, more information on that at the end of the show. So I guess we could just kind of get started here and start talking about the little bit of news there actually is this week and then we can go to our team previews from there. So uh, the first thing up here is kind of the most interesting of the week, which really isn't terribly interesting, at least in my eyes, because we've known this is going to be happening for about a year now. Uh, the Rockland Boulders, or I mistake, the New York Boulders, as they're now called, will host the uh, Israeli Olympic team. Uh, This was, like I said, originally scheduled for 2020, but obviously the pandemic kind of put the kibosh on that and wiped it out. Now it has been rescheduled for Monday, July 12th. There's also a free workout with Team Israel uh, Saturday, July 10th from 8 to 10 p.m. And uh, that Team Israel... We'll have some uh, notable guys here. Uh, in fact, we're going to talk a little bit more about one of these guys later on the show when we start uh, previewing Kansas City, and that is Ty Kelly. Also, they also will feature Ian Kinsler, Danny Valencia, and I'm going to mispronounce Ryan LeVarnway's name. But you got, that, you got that right. Oh, I got LeVarnway right? Nice. Yeah, he's a
1: former, he's a, he, uh, he Red played the Red, Red Sox for about, yeah. five years, about five years ago, so you got that
0: one right. Awesome. Cool. I got all the names right. That must be a first for this show.
1: You know, we're, we're making we're making strides every day, getting a little bit better every day.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And if you want tickets to this event, uh, they will go on sale April 19th. Obviously, the the setting, the amount of tickets available, the social distancing and everything like that is subject to the state of new york department of health guidelines so uh keep that in mind so if you're really interested in the event you may want to grab your tickets earlier than later because i imagine uh by july there'll still be some limited capacity or at least social distancing measures which will uh undoubtedly affect the amount of tickets that can be sold so uh what are we what are our thoughts about rockland slash new york slash boulders uh hosting team israel
1: so Nick, you're right when you said that this is this has been coming for a while pre-pandemic. This was the plan. Uh, this was the plan last year for uh, Team Israel to go on this tour. And to be honest with you, I think it's a great idea. Not only just because the Team Israel roster is talented, it's also because um, there, there's so many people who are so passionate. I mean, about uh, about Team Israel baseball across the country. Uh, and and you look at, especially the last WBC, I believe it was, um, the last WBC where Team Israel kind of took, a, essentially was a team of, I, I don't want to say no names, but it definitely was not as talented as as this team. I mean, you had guys who were able to perform for Team Israel and then get uh, minor league contracts in, in the States as a result. And I, And honestly, I think that team, although they didn't, they didn't win any hardware or anything like that. They, they kind of inspired a lot of these uh, players who, whether they have a part of their blood that's Israeli then like guys like Ian Kinsler to say, hey, what, what, is, what could be better than suiting up, um, suiting up for my country and suiting up for Israel? And since there are so many people who are passionate about it around the country, I think going around, especially the Northeast, I think it's a great idea. Um, I, I think it's a great idea, and I know in Rockland, in Rockland County specifically, there is a, uh, a pretty high number of uh, – there is a very large Jewish population in that county in New York. So personally, I, I think that this will be a wildly successful event. I think the open workout is a great idea as well. I, I can't imagine I – mean, you'd like to think in July there can be some interactions between – Players and fans, of course, that's that's definitely subject to change. But you'd like to think whether that, even if you know fans are a couple rows back and wearing masks, I think that would be really cool to see, uh, also. And so I, I think I think it's a great idea. I I, I can't wait to see how it goes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They definitely Team Israel was definitely a bit of a Cinderella team to last go through. And then, like you said, there there's definitely a lot of support for them, especially in the greater Rockland area. And I mean it's always a great opportunity to be able to see former major leaguers like Ian Kinsler, who if I'm not mistaken, is a multi time all star, right?
1: Oh yeah. No, he's a very good player. I kinda like how you see these guys essentially coming out of retirement. play whether it's in the olympics whether um whether it's in the olympics whether it's in the wbc i think that's really cool i think even in the uh last wbc was 2017 i think it was yeah and and uh and you had guys like ryan dempster come out of retirement to for team canada and and going so you have like a 40 year old ryan dempster facing uh facing a lineup of mashers from the dominican republic didn't go well for ryan dempster but that's not the point uh, and I, I just think it's really cool. I'm excited for the Olympics this year, especially. And I think Team Israel kind of doing a, a tour while they're also preparing themselves. I, I, th- I think it's a great idea. The one question I have is how many guys uh, who are currently playing indie ball, a guy that comes to mind certainly is Blake Galen of the, Lan- of the Lancaster Barnstormers. Uh, he, I know he played for Tim- Team Israel in the past. I wonder if he's going to be taking a hiatus from the Atlantic League season to go play for Team Israel. I think that's that's definitely to be determined, especially in the indie ball world where we see guys uh, leave to go play for their country. Michael Krause especially as well for Somerset in 2019 went to go play for Team Canada. So I, I think that, that'll that also be, from an indie ball perspective, that'll be an interesting thing to monitor as well.
0: Yep, absolutely there. And I, I imagine that he will be going. I mean... Ty Kelly is already on this team, and he's already a member of Kansas City. So I got to imagine that he'll yeah. be that that uh, Gallium will do so as well. Yeah, but you would think. Yeah, I got to think so. But uh, you know, either way, it's a great opportunity. I mean, it's obviously a. Uh, you have a chance to watch an Olympic team in your local ballpark is always good. And it definitely is good for promoting uh, the team and also getting the team ready for Tokyo. So uh, definitely interested to see how that plays out and hopefully they can have a large capacity there, but uh, that's obviously a wait and watch develop situation there. So uh, moving on to the last piece of news of of our week, Uh, the USL two, is coming to High Point, Truest Point, the home of the Rockers, will host three USL2 matches, uh, all featuring the North Carolina Fusion. Uh, The first will be against North Carolina Football Club on May 22nd. All these games are at 7.30 at night, too, by the way. The second will be against Virginia Beach Union on June 12th, and the last one against the West Virginia Alliance on July 7th. Uh, From what I can tell from the US. Uh, L2, it seems like it's essentially minor league soccer. I couldn't quite tell if it's like triple A soccer or double A soccer, but it is minor league soccer. And supposedly they send a lot of guys to MLS, which, from my understanding of soccer, which is very scarce and very limited, the MSL is not really highly regarded in the world of soccer as the European leagues have like the top five leagues. And then in that kind of B tier, it's the MLS which it seems like every European star winds up retiring to the MLS with a nice contract so
1: oh yeah I mean the, the, the there is money to spend here I, I, can, I can confirm that there is definitely mm-hmm. definitely money to spend in the MLS but like you I, I don't um, I, I don't know a ton about soccer however what I do know from at least from the rockers case is this is why you see so many teams that are co- that are building new stadiums at this point of course most recently in the Atlantic League you're talking about High Point and Gastonia. This is exactly the reason why they they elect to go with artificial turf. And the reason they elect to go with artificial turf is because it gives them the flexibility to do events like these. It gives them the flexibility to host soccer games, to bring in more money uh, to the to the team. And of course, you can you can have so many sports on artificial turf when uh, if you're if you're you know the. Classic grass and, uh, infield dirt, you know, it's, you're, you're a little bit limited. You're limited to baseball. Uh, or if you wanted to do something just in the outfield, you could do that as well. But I I think this definitely shows the, the results and the benefits of the new age type of ballparks in in independent league baseball, in minor league baseball, because it gives teams the flexibility to do stuff like this and And good for them. I mean, I'm sure they'll be bringing in some money. Uh, I'm sure there are soccer fans around North Carolina who are happy with this. So I think that this shows why artificial turf, you're seeing it more and more and I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon.
0: Absolutely not. I mean, the, the, Artificial turf is the way of the future, uh, and like you said, when you only have like a traditional dirt and grass field, you're really limited to diamond sto- diamond sports and uh, really anything that you can do in the outfield. Which I mean, really isn't too much, and you have to be concerned about tearing up the field. With the turf field, you can host events like this with very little concern for what's going to happen to the field. Likewise, you can host concerts, you can host other events, and know that the field will be in good shape here. As far as the soccer is concerned, I suppose it's a good thing. Uh, Like any red-blooded American, like I said, I do not really know much about uh, soccer, and uh, I, I assume it's popular in North Carolina, or at least the general High Point area. Uh, so hopefully it draws well, hopefully it goes well, and who knows, well, maybe they'll get a, uh, maybe they'll, I'm not sure, do they already have a USL team, or, or is I
1: have no idea, but even if they don't, I mean, they, they, I'm sure that league has to pay the Rockers, so. Exactly. And that's the only thing I really care about, so. Yeah.
0: yeah, when I looked up to get the, uh, logo for the, kind of, title card for this week's show, apparently the USL, two has, like, over 80 teams. 80? Over 80. It's like 84 or something like that. It's nuts. What? Yeah. So, I. How do you.
1: Fu- I don't even know. Like, Soccer's confusing. I,
0: I assume it's one of those things where it's like they're all league members and they just kind of generally play against each other. And then you just wind up with, like, okay. I have this record, and I have this record, and you just kind of sort it out, and then there's various tournaments or something like that, and then like the winners of tournaments wind up playing in some sort of grand tournament. I don't really know. I'm not going to try and figure it out, because quite frankly, it's all a bit much, and uh, this is also not a soccer show, although I did turn into a hockey show in the middle of the week, so I mean, it really could be anything.
1: Let's keep it consistent here, Firestone. All right,
0: fine, fine. So I guess with that, we finished the news for the week. We did that in under 15 minutes, so that's probably a new record for us, but we still do have one thing to get to today, which is really the meat of the show, which is our Kansas City roster preview. This is something that we've been meaning to do now for like a month or so, but then we kept either having more news pop up or getting interviews, and obviously those will all take precedent over, you know, a roster preview, which... I mean, really, we could push these things back and do them whenever because rosters are constantly evolving. But the Kansas City Monarchs are certainly an interesting team. They're certainly one that warrants a uh, a roster breakdown because going into 2020, I believe I ranked them in like my top five, top ten teams across indie ball because I really like the roster they had built. And obviously they weren't able to take the field last year. And now they're taking a swing at the 2021 and they have a really, really good team. Like I was gonna say, bullpen or batting lineup, but just all in all, they're just a solid team.
1: I mean, that that's really the the only way you can describe it. I think. The Kansas City Monarchs will certainly be up there. Uh, it, I'm sure they'll be making the American Association. Well, I'll, I'll stop short of saying I'm sure because it's baseball injuries, people getting contracts purchased. You never know what's going to happen. But I, but the Monarchs are a really, really good team. Uh, I know we've talked about. We did our our preview for what was the, most of the Milwaukee Milkmen roster. Mm. I think Kansas City is right up there with them. I mean, you. I mean, I, I have to start. As far as their roster. I yeah. have to start with my guy, Will Kenger. Of course, Will Kenger uh, on a Somerset team that did not hit. Uh, what's the best way to put it? They didn't hit at all. Like, at all. Will Kenger was essentially... Like, there were points during the year where Will Kenger was just the entire offense. And the thing is, is Will Kenger has hit every, at every every spot he's been in indie ball. And, of course, starting in, in Traverse City... Uh, in the frontier League he was great and then making the move making the jump from Traverse City to Somerset and he made it seamlessly. I was surprised he didn't he didn't uh, get picked up once Somerset moved on to the Eastern League and to become a Yankee affiliate you know the Atlantic League took a long time uh, they took a long time telling those guys who were on Sugarland or Somerset, well, are we going to do a dispersal draft? Apparently they told them yes, and then they just kept waiting and waiting, and then they're like, eh, okay, do what you want. And some guys, Will Kendra is an example, said, you know, I'm just going to go sign uh, elsewhere in the American Association, especially with a team that has the track record of sending guys back to the affiliated ball like the Kansas City Monarchs do. And and that's really been their reputation for a while now. And, I mean, Will Kendra especially in the in the American Association they have a talented team don't get me wrong but I think will Kendra is right up there and I think he's gonna be he's really gonna provide that middle of the order thump for Kansas City and I really hope he 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 does well and I hope he gets a shot in affiliated ball but As far as the Monarchs are concerned, he is a huge pickup for them. And I'm really excited to see how he does there.
0: Absolutely. And also, there was another should have been 2020 Patriot on this team as well in Jan Hernandez, who, I mean, we we talked about him in the past. He's a guy who can really hit. He can get on base and he's another guy that could be in the middle of the lineup here. And let's not forget, just on the batting side of the ball, they have four former major leaguers including Christian Colon, who just played this past season. Now, granted, he didn't have a great year, but he only hit 23 at-bats. So, I mean, like, you're limited there. But the point is, the guy still, he hits in the minors, and he's a major league veteran. So, that's obviously a boost there. Ty Kelly, like we said as well, another major league veteran. He's the guy that's going to provide some pop. Darnell Sweeney, we saw what he did last year in Winnipeg. So, I would really be looking for him to be a start in the outfield as well if you look at what he did last year yes his numbers were you know slightly lower than the 80 or so at bats 23 games he had the year prior in kansas city but obviously you know you play three times as many games i mean you're going to uh you know have lower numbers just because it's hard to keep it up but it really weren't that much lower and i'd say he was on pace to do exactly what he did in uh in Winnipeg this past year, Johnny Fields, another guy of interest that I think could perform to something. But the one name that on the batting side that really took me by surprise, because I never really looked that deep into this guy's stats. And I just was like, oh, that's a cool name is Kevin Santa. I mean, like that first off is an 80 grade name. That That's something. Which, yeah, it, that's good. That's high praise. The dude's last name is Santa. <laughs> like, look, there is so many puns that could be made with that. Like the the possibilities are limitless, but that is true. As far as just numbers go, with the guy, an OPS over seven hundred, he batted just under two ninety. I mean, yeah, ten walks in ninety seven at bats, twenty six games. That's not terrible. I mean, the guy looks like he has like sneaky potential here. Plus, he's a AAA guy too. So that's always a nice plus there. I think he could be a nice little addition. Will Kinger, like you said, I mean, is always, you know, solid. There's no real going around that. I mean, like, if he wound up being the best hitter on the team, I really wouldn't be surprised. But that's just a really deep lineup there when you look at it. there's You're always going to run nine guys out there that are both good in the field and really good at hitting. And like I talked about in the bonus episode, depth is something on a team, and particularly in independent league baseball, that... It is such a luxury to have that it really can just kind of roll you into the playoffs because you're going to lose guys to injuries. You're going to lose guys to having the contract selected. You're going to, you know, have uh, just various things throughout the year where you're going to have kind of a revolving door. So if you have the luxury of starting off the year with just the ability to plug and play guys, it's huge. Like the only position uh, before we start talking about pitchers that I think is kind of weak is the catcher position. But I mean... You're going to have holes in a team. There's no way you're going to build a perfect one. Obviously, they still need to sign at least one more. It would have been interesting to see if they could have swung some sort of deal for Manuel Boscan. I know he just got dealt to Fargo-Moorhead for two players to be named later. I think something like that may have been a, a good decision for Kansas City. He would have been a great guy to kind of plug in there and I think would have been really complimentary to the rest of the lineup. But still, even with that said it's still a really deep core here. I mean, it's hard to beat him.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I wouldn't say that, you know, there's a couple guys, I think, I think like Ty Kelly, Ty Kelly's probably the most interesting guy to me just because, you know, I mean, he is a major league veteran, uh, but you know, he also hasn't, um, he also has not played since the, well, he did play in 2019. So I think Although I think he kind of is, I'm pretty sure he announced his retirement too, like at, at one point, like a couple of years, like after the 2019 season. But ended up ended up coming back, uh, ended up coming back to to indie ball. And listen, I mean, you talk about the lineup. Um, you know, we, they definitely have to add another catcher. I don't think they're going. They're obviously not going into the season with one catcher. I wouldn't be surprised if they add another starting caliber catcher. I think I think you'll really be looking. I think Kansas city will definitely be in the market for those third or fourth catchers on, on these uh, big league clubs in spring training that have these opt out clauses mm. uh, that I think just from a red Sox perspective, just cause I mean, well, I'm a red Sox fan. I know uh, they have a veteran, a major league veteran catcher, Chris Herman, who, uh, who they had a minor league invite. Uh, it's not going to make the roster as the as the backup catcher. So therefore, they're going to um, he's going to be reassigned, and he also has an opt out. So he'll have, to, he'll have to make a decision. Every team like that has has um, has guys like that, and especially at the catcher position, I think that's where you'll see Kansas City be in the market for. I'm sure they will. Be in the market for catchers like that for veteran catchers, so I, I don't think uh, I don't think they're done yet in that department. But you're right overall. I mean, this lineup is is really solid, and I think it can compete with uh, with any lineup across the American Association.
0: Oh, absolutely. There, it's just really tough there. And I, I do want to just circle back to Ty Kelly real quick. Sure. I do wonder if his plan is because I assume he would join Team Israel sometime in the end of June. Yeah, if you play May and most of June with Kansas City more or less to get back into the swing of playing baseball and then you go you play the whole tour with uh, with Team Israel and I assume his season will be just about done from there because from that tour we'll swing into the Olympics and then I imagine the Olympics runs what through the, basically through the all of August and then he wouldn't be back around till September right mm-hmm. yeah so I mean essentially at that point the season's just about done for him I do wonder if the signing with Kansas City is only done as like a tune-up type of thing, you know, to get back to the swing of it. Which, honestly, if that's the case, I feel that's pretty symbiotic here. Kansas City gets another major leaguer who, I mean, at the end of the day, sure, he may not have played since 19. Sure, he may have been, you know, kind of up and down the last few years he was playing. He's still a major league caliber player, and he's still going to do well. So even if he takes a week or two to figure it out, He's still a productive player there. He gets somewhere where he can get in shape for playing the national games, which clearly mean more to him. And I mean, they mean more to just about anyone, I'd imagine. I mean, I just feel that's pretty symbiotic, but I do wonder if that's what he's doing.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think that that's certainly a possibility. I'd even go that that's probably likely because now that I think of it, I know I see, I was seeing some rumblings on Twitter, like, oh, Ian Kinsler might, might be looking for might be looking to play indie ball, not because he's playing indie ball to try to get a, a minor league contract so he can play double A AA or triple A somewhere, but he's looking to tune up for uh, for the Olympic run for, for Team Israel. And, of course, that's not just limited to him. That's limited, Of course, you have plenty of other guys who are getting ready, uh, especially because unlike the WBC where you have guys who are on major league rosters because, well, the WBC is in February and March for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Olympics. It's always it's tough, and that's why baseball in the Olympics is as, as great as it is. You know, it, it hasn't been. It's uh, never it, it the best of the best. Of it. It's not, and I think um, because of course the MLB is not going to take a break. Like that's yeah. never going to happen. Like I know the NHL. That's it's kind of a debate, but I think it's 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 a different scenario. I think it's different there, mm. but you know it, it's especially in year one of the Olympics coming back. I think it'll be interesting to see what kind of talent they're getting there. I know the rules are. I think any non non forty man guy can uh, non MLB ro, MLB forty man roster guy is eligible to go if they would like. Yeah. I don't know if they need their club's permission, but it would I, be. You know, it, it'll be interesting to see.
0: It would be. I'm the guy. Actually, I actually have two thoughts here I want to get to. The first one is, get ready for Ian Kinsler to the Ducks. Get ready for that to start. Two, oh,
1: boy. You're true.
0: <laughs> two, I I do wonder. If, let's say you're man number 40 on the 40th man roster, but you have the opportunity to play for your national team in the Olympics. What would you rather have, be on that 40 man or be on the Olympic roster?
1: Oh, definitely, definitely be on the Olympic roster. But, I mean, from from the MLB perspective... Guys who are on the forty-man roster are getting paid more than the average minor leaguer. So that's the team's case. Well, they're like, "Well, tough shit. Sorry. I mean, uh, we're, we're giving you we're giving you an extra bonus here because you're on the forty-man roster. So therefore, you're not going to play."
0: I'd almost be willing to go. Okay, well then, take me off the forty-man. I want to be on the Olympic roster.
1: Well, but then if you do that, you get DFA'd and put through waivers, and another team could claim you, and then <laughs> that would make a whole other mess.
0: I feel like, yeah, it w- it would make a mess here, but at the same time, it's going to be like obvious, because I mean you're not just claiming a guy without calling the previous GM. You're going to call him and be like, like, yo, what's the deal on this guy? And I mean, you're going to be able to feel him out. That's, that's kind of the relationship you have here. And when they go, oh, I wanted to be DFA'd so that way he could play on the Olympic roster. Then you're not going to claim him because he's going to do the same shit to you. And then, do you really want the fallout of we claimed him and now we're not letting him go to the Olympics despite this is what he requested? And have that kind of fallout? I mean, like it's not great. Plus, no, no, technically, no,
1: no, it's a business depends, to, depends what you see. I mean,
0: to be I mean, fair, couldn't you also pull some bullshit where you technically retire, then go play uh, for the play for your national team and then unretire? <laughs>
1: You know, Chris Colabello did that yeah. at one point in I think it was twenty nineteen, where he started in I think he started no no, he didn't start in Italy. He played with Sugarland, was not very good for two weeks, then he retired then he was he technically retired suddenly three weeks later, was on the Kansas City T Bones roster and then was playing for Italy by the end of the year. So I don't know. I mean I guess I guess it's it wouldn't be the first time someone's done that, but You know i mean i guess we'll have to see how much baseball in the olympics really means to people and i think it's hard to really put a finger on it until it happens
0: yeah absolutely here and because you mentioned kansas city i suppose we should get back to the the actual preview here and stop talking stop talking olympic baseball um but yeah so we got the pictures to talk about here now so uh I will say this much before I I dive into the guys I have written down here because I didn't write down all 14 guys I wrote down a lot of them but not all 14 and I gotta say I don't see too many starters at least from the guys that I wrote down here like I'm sure there's starters on the roster here but just none of them that like jumped out at me but bullpen wise this is a deep bullpen I mean like it really is deep Akeem Bostic's great Ellington's a major leaguer, McCreary's a major leaguer, Schaefer's a major leaguer, Weiss is a major leaguer, Jamison McGrain's, you know, Jameson McGrain, he's just next level. Alex Power is a surprisingly really good player as well. I mean, there's just there's really a lot of depth there, you know?
1: Yeah, I think for for a couple of these guys, and this is this is what I kinda learned um, what I've learned as far as as far as indie ball goes, you look at a lot of guys who maybe were relievers in the MLB or even relievers in AAA, and they go to indie ball and they say, Hey, I, I know I've been a reliever my whole life, but I want to start because starting pitchers have a much better chance of being picked up by an MLB team than a reliever. And I think that a good case of that was Seth Maness with high point in 2019. He has been a closer his whole life. He comes into high point. I'm like, Oh, Seth Maness is opening as the closer. And then he starts opening day. And then shockingly, he has one good start and he gets picked up by the Rangers and becomes a Pacific coast league all-star. So I I think I, I wouldn't be surprised. I understand what you're saying as far as you're looking at the roster and you don't see a lot of guys who at least have started recently uh on on this roster i i I wouldn't be surprised if you had a guy like jose mesa jr uh in that starting rotation as well i i think there could be guys who who are secretly planning to start we just don't know yet maybe a guy like adam mccreary and but regardless even if all those guys stick in the pen i mean that's a that's a lights out that's a lights out bullpen that's like a that's like a, mil- a last year's Milwaukee Milkman on steroids bullpen.
0: Oh, absolutely. That's the thing that, like, I look across here. Even if you don't have good starters and you only get four innings out of them, this bullpen's deep enough where you can just go, okay, everyone's pitching an inning today and it'll be fine. Like... Yeah. Even if you want to say, okay, like you said, McCreary's a guy there. I see uh, Power has one start out of his 40 games he last played. Maybe Schaefer is. I mean, he's a guy who pitched last year. Stout, uh, he's a starter. I have him written down. Uh, Dylan Baker there. So there are guys, you know, that that could do it. But just, just sheer bullpen-wise, I mean, it's just... It's unbelievable how deep this team is. I mean, you got, like, Akeem Bostick, like I said... Uh, I believe he was in the Sugarland League last year. ERA below one. Mm. Now, granted, only eight games played, but still, it, it's still something of note. Uh, McGrain, I don't need to go over. We all know how good he is. Alex Power had an ERA of 1.64 in 40 games. I mean, on less than 40 hits, nine earned runs, yeah. 18 walks, 66 Ks. That that's off the charts. Like they, this I, and- team, this team's so good.
1: If Alex Powers were to stick in the pen, I mean, he's probably—I I don't even know if he's their closer, which which is which really shows. I mean, his stats, you're right, are absolutely off the charts. You look at how how awesome he was in Double A AA and Triple A, and like I mean, the strikeouts he was able to put up. I mean, he didn't really have many control issues. How is—and you you almost wonder, like, but why is he why is he here? And I think to be honest with you, Nick, it speaks to and maybe you get this same vibe too i know i know i certainly do and this this it's applies to the atlantic league as well i think it it applies as well to the american association this season in indie ball even the frontier league as well i don't think we've seen talent like this in a in a long time or maybe ever i think with, with as terrible as the minor league contraction was at the end of the day it it makes less spots for a lot of these guys who were awesome in uh, in double A AA or triple A, but might be older. And teams are just looking to give them give uh, are looking to just give those spots to prospects and not so much these guys who are 27, 28 years old. Uh, and I think, I mean, you even look with the Ducks. I mean, David Spear, one of their relievers, had a one sixty ERA in double A last year. And, and he and he's an indie ball. And unfortunately, these guys, and it's not like these guys don't want to play baseball anymore. So they head to indie ball. So from an indie ball perspective, I mean, the talent is off the charts this year. Like in jet, like it's absolutely off the charts in in all three indie leagues. And I think having a and to wrap it back to Alex Powers, I mean, Alex Powers is legit. And I don't even think he he might not even be their eighth or ninth inning guy. And I think that shows. One, how good this Monarchs bullpen, how good this Monarchs team is, and I think how good ball as a whole this year is. I don't think we've seen leagues as talented as we, as we are seeing this year. I don't think we've seen that in a long time.
0: Oh, absolutely. I don't think we've seen something like this since I'd say probably the early to mid-aughts. I think that was really the last time. And that's when you had, you know, your guys like Ricky Henderson coming through, your guys yeah. like Armando Benitez coming through. These kind of like, okay, wow, these are Major League All-Stars. I mean, hell, in the case of... Uh, ricky ricky henderson that's an all. Awesome, that's a hall of fame player that's the best leadoff man of all time that's mm-hmm. coming through here and he's just playing because he wants to keep playing so uh, i definitely agree with that i think the contraction definitely helped with that it's something that i forget which interview i listened to with josh schaub but he mentioned they said look the contraction here it's you know It's sad some communities may lose baseball, but they they do have the option. There are still options there, and it's not like minor league baseball hasn't left communities before. So for the people there, it is unfortunate, but it is a good thing for us because now you're going to have a lot of teams kind of trimming fat. And like you said, you're going to have older guys that are in double-A that if they can't make the jump to triple-A, they're just going to get cut. So they're going to wind up coming to play in our league. They're going to play in all these now partner leagues, and... It's definitely something that I think is going to be the case here because even the Pioneer League is picking up guys that were really good in like the Can-Am and the Frontier. They're a bit younger because like I just saw Matt Dallas got traded to I think it was Missoula, but he was a guy that was really good in New Jersey in 2019. And it's just there's just so much talent that's out there now that, again, it's unfortunate the contraction happened. And it's not like it didn't take its pound of flesh from Indie Ball. I mean, we lost the technically Indie Ball status, and now it's a partner league, which, you know, obviously has mixed feelings around. But more importantly, I mean, you lost three teams. You lost three big teams at that, too, in Sugarland, Somerset, and St. Paul. I mean, those are tough to replace here. That said... Alex Power does kind of fall into that kind of Keon, Keon Barnum type, where it's like, why is he here? He's too good yeah. for this. Like, and it's not to say that you know the partner leagues are bad baseball, because I mean, like, I'm pretty sure we're up at the top of the list of advocates for uh, unaffiliated baseball. But I mean, there's an understanding here that look, there's some guys who they're just so talented they should be if not on a 40-man roster, they should be on a system knocking on the door. And Alex Power and Keon Barnum are two of those guys where it's just like their numbers back this up. There's no reason they should be playing an unaffiliated ball. And, I mean, like you said, this roster is just so deep. I mean, you could look through the stats yourself, but, I mean, there's, like like you said, Powers could, on any other team, he'd have a very strong case for being the closer. In fact, with the exception of maybe Milwaukee, He'd be the closer. Here, I think he is the eighth inning guy. But like, if you said, "Oh no, he's the seventh inning," I wouldn't be that shocked. Be like, "Okay, I could see it," but I mean, I disagree. But I see it, you know. So I mean, like, it's just it, there's so deep of a team. It's amazing, really.
1: Yeah, and I don't think they're done. I'm sure. I'm sure there are more, there's more pitching for for them still to add. Um, and the one other thing I wanted to point out, a little bit, a slight, well, not off topic because it's it is about the Monarchs. Hmm. Adam McCreary... He's six foot nine.
0: Oh yeah, no, like, he's like a mountain of a man, isn't he? Like, like wow. two nine, He's like two fifty two. He's like a yes. linebacker.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, can you imagine, especially from the left side? Oh god, I mean, a, a left lefty on lefty matchups. I I, I will say I'm not uh, I'm not totally familiar with his arm slot. Yeah, I probably I probably should look that up because I know. I mean, you think of guys in the MLB, these big lefties like Andrew Miller, mm. who are almost coming at you from a three quarters, uh, three quarters, uh, three quarter angle, and these sliders are like starting behind you. It looks like it's coming behind you, and then boom, it's on the outside corner. So I, I wonder. I, I'd, I'd have to see. I'm not too familiar with his arm slot, but and really, you look up and down this roster as far as the pitchers. I mean, there's some really tall guys here. I mean, Bostics six six, Ellington six four um mcgrain's 6-4 powers is 6-4 mace is 6-4 lennox 6-5 i mean i mean not that it necessarily means a whole lot i just think it's an interesting tidbit but there's a lot of there's a lot of very very tall guys on on this kansas city roster pitching wise
0: they could be a basketball team if they really wanted to they i mean sure could i mean imagine sure. having adam McCreary back you down in the post oh yeah
1: now, as a as a rather as a rather large individual myself, I don't think I, I could even stop that.
0: I mean, like, because he's just a mountain of a guy too. Because he's got weight behind him, so like you're not moving him, and he's just not going to give you anything. Like this, I can, actually. Here's a free idea for Kansas City, charity basketball game. That would be a fun one.
1: Mm, I like that.
0: You could set up some uh, hoops in the parking lot, and just have it go all day. I'm just. I think it's a good idea.
1: <laughs> that's that's not that's not a bad idea.
0: Like I'm I just. A idea. I, I know it's a good. One. It's a good one. It's a free one. I I think we may have a couple of Kansas City people listening. So feel free to take that idea. It's just you know I I think it would be fun to watch. I mean, just don't make it for children because I could just imagine like some three-and-a-half-foot, seven-year-old, trying to back down the 6'9", 250 Adam (laughs) McCreary. (laughs) just tries to shoot over him. There's just no way. Adam McCreary could play on his knees and still be just, like, stuffing him.
1: No shot, no shot.
0: Actually, now, like, there's a little bit of a morbid part of me that kind of wants to watch that.
1: (laughs) Oh, God. I mean, considering... I mean, considering you're the guy who just roots for teams that everyone else hates, that doesn't surprise me at all.
0: Uh, You know, I'll I'll go (laughs) on my tangents later on, because I suppose we should probably wrap up the the preview here. Sure. Yeah. So I guess with that said, also, we didn't really touch on like the rebrand or anything like that. I mean, we've talked about that in the past. I think back in January when it was announced. Uh, Yeah. Obviously, I think I could speak for both of us here. It's a cool rebrand. I definitely like it. It pays uh, homage to the the heritage of baseball in Kansas City and the Negro Leagues as a whole. The They also just have a really clean look. I like that whole look in general. And, you know, they did commit the cardinal sin, though, of hyping up, like, you know, a rebrand as some yeah. sort of franchise-altering thing. Although, in this case, yeah, I think it's more justified than a lot of other ones, because this is actually def- a big I deal.
1: Definitely think it, I, def- I definitely think it's justified. Like, ugh. Like nothing annoys me more than like a slight change to the logo that they hype up for a week. Like, you please.
0: You mean when you Nick like, Junior a logo?
1: No, it's just like the boy who cried wolf. Like <laughs> at this point, anyway. But uh, but as far as the monarchs, I, I thought that I thought that was legit, and yeah. I know we we touched on it a while ago. But I absolutely I absolutely love the name. This is one of the rebrands and stuff that I actually like one care about, two like, and uh, and I'm super excited to see. I mean, uh, I'm sure their uniforms have been released as as well, but I think it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of fun, and you know, a team like the Monarchs who wins baseball games, maybe maybe even wins an American Association title. I, I think that that'd be pretty cool. That'd be that'd be pretty cool if the Monarchs won a championship in their first season.
0: Yeah, that'd be very cool there. And before I segue into how how well we think they're going to do this year, I do want to just say real quick. If anyone in Kansas City wants to take that charity basketball idea, it would also be appreciated if maybe you send maybe a hat or something. That'd be pretty cool, you know. <laughs> I'm just saying, like at this point now I'm going to start begging for it cuz I mean, we have oh, other God. teams that send us stuff, so why not? What do I got to lose? But
1: you know, you know th- n- n- now now you're spoiled, Nick.
0: Oh yeah, I've been spoiled by Lexington and Gastonia. I really have been. But <laughs> But at the same time i'm not stopping them uh shout
1: out shout out lexington and gastonia
0: yeah absolutely although gastonia you may need to pick up a gm because i mean you're really hitting and missing on a lot of these failure acquisitions that that's an issue for down the road because i mean you only got like what eight guys on your roster but some of them i'm like who the hell are these guys
1: you know what nick let, let, let's let, let's hold off on it to, to our preview show although i i don't think you're wrong I think there's some there's some guys on there that I like, but you know, as far as the other teams that I think are stacking up, I mean, you look at the new teams like Lexington and West Virginia, who are both building really, really good teams right now. You know, I think Estonia's got some catching up to do. I'll, I'll leave it like that.
0: Yeah, they also they drew the poor card of being in the division of death, because I mean, there really isn't a week like we're going to get back to Kansas City in just one second here, but I do need to make this point who the hell would have thought if I would have went to you like two months ago and said high points looking like the third best team in their division would have believed I, that. Would, I,
1: I wouldn't go that far yet
0: I would I'm willing to get that far but I mean that that's a that's a discussion for for another time we actually do need to finish Kansas City um right, I'm just gonna kick it off with I kind of expect them to make the postseason. like on paper obviously everything can change when the season gets going players will get purchased uh contracts will get selected and players get heard and you know there's all sorts of variables throughout the year but at this point coming out of that division I don't think it's you know this monumental task to say that they could finish you know in the top two in their division I believe it's I'm not sure what the playoff structure is exactly I don't have them committed to memory I want to say it's the top two in each division and then that's the The winner of those two series play, I think it's the Atlantic League model, but I'm not entirely certain of it. I imagine that would be it, though, for a 10-team league. But Mm -hmm. either way, to see Kansas City as the one or two in the South Division, I don't think is, you know, a terribly, you know, large stretch. I think we've said enough where they're a deep team. And as we saw last year, depth matters. As we see every year, depth matters. And it's not just, you know, they're good filling plug and play players these are legitimately good players these are legitimate starters that you can be plugging in and out and that's obviously a huge huge win for the monarchs and like i said i could see them making the postseason what happens from there who knows i mean really i'm not going to say like oh they're going to go to the championship oh they're going to be playing milwaukee or whatever uh, i can't say that but i do kind of expect them in the postseason
1: i do i i agree with that i think i definitely i definitely see them as a postseason team i think they have as good of a chance as anybody to take home the title this year. I mean, that's really how I feel. Uh, but as far as the South division, I think to this point, when looking at, at looking at all the rosters, I, I think that they're, the, they're the best team in the South. Uh, and I I'd expect them certainly to, to make the playoffs. That's, that's my expectation of them.
0: Absolutely. I mean, really so far though, the only other team that I think has uh has a decent enough shot would be Cleburn, but again, oh it's, it's really early yet yeah, for all of these teams, so we'll have to wait and see how they develop. But yeah, that's the Kansas City preview. Uh, there's a couple of detours in there, but uh, I'm going to be honest, we need to pad out this show. We're at, like, before editing 48 minutes, so like I said, it's going to be a bit of a short one, but uh, you got a bonus episode this week. You've had two weeks of really long episodes, so just not much to complain about.
1: Of course, I, I I agree. So, I mean, it was, a fun, it was a fun preview, though.
0: Absolutely. And I with that, we could kind of announce the thing we're going to be doing uh, throughout April, which is to say, last week we talked about what Major League Baseball needs to do to get fan engagement up, to get more people involved in baseball. And so I thought it'd be kind of a fun exercise to see how we would each build our own independent league team so throughout april we're going to do various things here we're still kind of figuring out all the exact details of it but each week we'll cover a different aspect of running an independent league team so we'll probably start with you know where would you put the team branding things like that you know the the basics of the team the immediate things that come to mind when you think of the team aspect then we'll build up the players we'll build up everything around that you know the leagues everything like that and we'll just go through the process of like assembling a team and how we would do that, how we would run that team. And I feel like not only would that be kind of practicing what we were preaching last week, but more so, it's just interesting to do. It's a fun hypothetical. We're still in the off-season. We really only have one month of off-season left before we start to get into, you know, previews and player discussions and then by the end of May, actual on the field play, which will be very fun to finally get back to talking about that. So it's a fun little thing for all of, uh, for all of April. And uh, you can look forward to that in May and going uh, throughout May or not, not May, April. You can look forward for that throughout all of April.
1: Agreed, Nick. I think, you know, we certainly talk the talk on this show. I think it's time for us to walk the walk. So I I think, Leading up to the season, I think this could, this could definitely be fun to see how uh, how indie ball experts Will Thompson and Nick Firestone would build uh, their own indie ball team if given the chance. So definitely stay tuned for that, and it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Yep, absolutely. So that's next week. And then who knows, maybe if that's the only thing we have on the docket, we may do another team preview. Uh, I think we can both agree the next team up for the previews would be what, Tri-City?
1: Yeah yeah because tri-city
0: tri-city's building themselves a little bit of a squad so
1: uh, just a bit
0: exactly so i guess with that we can go to the plugs uh if you want to follow the show on twitter you can do so at Ball pod if you want to follow the show on instagram you could do so at alpb underscore news or at Ball report likewise you should be on the website to check out the show notes and the other stuff that's on there you know articles every episode yada 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 you know this drill already um Show notes have the links to everything uh, that's available there. You can also find the show wherever you find podcasts, tune in Stitcher, Spotify, Podomatic, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music. If like I said, just about anywhere you can find it. Uh, I'd also recommend checking out our or well, the Frozen 4 preview that I did on Wednesday. I believe I released that really early Thursday morning. So definitely check that out. It's about college hockey, the college hockey tournament that actually starts in 30 minutes from now. So I'm really looking forward to that. And when you listen to it, if you haven't already, uh, either half of my predictions will be horribly out of date and I will be wrong, or I'll look very good, and my predictions will be mostly right. So hopefully it's the latter, but who knows? There. And uh, on that note, do we have anything else left to add?
1: I would like to add today that from a col- from a college base because uh, I've been watching a lot of college baseball. Right? I've been I, I was missing a lot of baseball um, as far as where I'm interning this summer. Got to be watching lots of college baseball. Nick Jack Leiter is amazing. Yes. I don't know if you've heard. I, I don't. I don't know if you. Well, he is from New Jersey, so you you yep. you definitely know who who Jack Leiter is. So, if if you guys didn't hear, in in case anyone doesn't know who he is, he uh, he is a pitcher at at Vanderbilt who is going to be a top five pick, probably number one, probably number one overall. And as a, I guess I, I guess you can call it COVID freshman, red shirt freshman, because yep. you know last year wasn't really a season. Jack Leiter, in his first SEC start, went out there and threw a no-hitter against a ranked South Carolina team with sixteen strikeouts. Sixteen strikeouts. So didn't Jack he only Leiter, walk one, two? Yeah, he's
0: one base yeah, he is
1: He is so unbelievable. Uh, anyone else who's listening, who has been watching baseball for a while, he is the son of of uh, Al Leiter as well. So I think that. Jack Leiter is unbelievable. He is my, he, he, I do believe he should be going number one overall. So if you are listening and you are a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, you should probably be, you should be hoping for Jack Leiter as your number one overall pick. Kumar Rocker is very good as well, but Jack Leiter is on another level and he's amazing and he should be the number one overall pick. However, as a Red Sox fan who is drafting in that number four slot, I really hope you don't pick him. So he falls to us. And dominates the American League East for the next fifteen years. So that's all I have to say. If you if Jack Leiter, if you can, if you have a chance to catch one of his starts at Vandy, you should do that. He's electric. He's awesome.
0: Two points. One, if Al Leiter's kid's this good, imagine how good Mike Trout's kid's gonna be.
1: Oh God, I don't even want to. Th- I don't even want to think about. Well. Because how how old is Mike Trout kid? They just had right?
0: About yeah, about like three about six months, not even a couple months old. Oh, okay. But don't worry, Mike Trout's already bringing him to watch batting cages with like Justin Upton and company.
1: Oh, absolutely, you have to. I you, mean, you like, have to start him young.
0: The the kid, this kid. <laughs> I saw jokes in the comments underneath the tweet saying, "Oh God, the Angels are just going to sign him to a thirty-two year contract right now. Gotta buy <laughs> the arbitration years." <laughs> <laughs> but but that's the first thought and secondly don't worry if the Pirates draft him they're going to do what the Pirates do and they're going to trade him to the AL oh, East yes. for, for like Chris Sale or something
1: that is very true I, I forgot about that, that that's what the Pirates do with, the, with their elite starting pitchers
0: no they just do it with all their elite prospects the Austin Meadows
1: <laughs> I mean they had Austin Meadows, Garrett Cole Tyler Glass now and, and they're just like Nah. And I think Joe Musgrove this year with San Diego, I think he's gonna break out too. He yeah. he is he is legit as well. So I think he'll be next in line in that department.
0: Yeah, because Bob nettings dirt cheap. He doesn't want to pay players. And also so true. he makes the worst decisions possible to tell his GMs no, you should go for it now. And they're like, Why? If we just wait like two years, we'll be elite, we just we'll still have guys under control. They won't cost that much money. No, go for it now. It's like
1: is isn't, isn't their payroll like 30 uh, mil isn't it, yeah isn't it something ridiculous like that yeah. or even lower
0: yeah i no i remember trevor is getting paid more per year than the whole pirate payroll
1: that's so sad
0: i know trevor bauer shouldn't make that much money
1: i i i i'm inclined to agree with you uh and speaking of trevor bauer did you see the other and and, and sorry to yeah to bring to bring this up but so he goes out the other night against the mariners in a spring training start he shuts them down for four innings, and then in the fifth inning, the Mariners hit three home runs off him, and he comes out of the game. And then after the game, Trevor Bauer, being the annoying person he is, uh, goes uh, goes in the press conference and says, oh, yes, I, I just wasn't trying in the fifth inning. That's why they were hitting me. <laughs> and so the Mariners' manager, Scott Sur- Scott Surveys, was mo- started mocking him By saying, by saying, oh, yeah, you know, our guys just really didn't try the first four innings. And then (laughs) we started trying, we started trying in the fifth inning. And, and then, and then a reporter asked them, like, oh, did you guys do anything else? Like, uh, he's like, oh, yeah, we also, uh, we also decided, we also tried to hit with one eye shut for the first four innings as well, because that's definitely what's going to help us during regular season games. Uh, Dunking on Trevor Bauer is very fun. He's a really good pitcher. Don't really like him as a person, so. Even though the Mariners aren't very good, seeing seeing Scott Surveys dunk on Trevor Bauer was also very fun.
0: Trevor Bauer's was a gym class hero. It's like, you're, you're only won because he didn't try. Okay, yeah, but sure thing. And, uh, you know, I know if I'm the Dodgers, I love having a $32 million a year investment in a guy who just stopped trying in the middle of a game. Even if it's spring trading. I know, That's I love true. that. <laughs> That's true. But, uh, yeah, so I, I don't really got much else to add here. Um I was going to do like a, an okay orchestra review of the new AJR album but I'm going to hold off on that because I've only listened to it through once and uh, it's kind of hard to get a cold gauge on an album after only listening to it once so uh, that's okay. probably going to be a next week thing or it'll be a Frozen Four thing and then I'll get around to it and yeah, one or the other. I have a bunch of things in the stable here so I really don't got much to add here. That's about it. Oh, there you yeah. Alright, So uh, with nothing else left to add... Uh, we'll end this show like we end every show uh don't forget to play ball
1: i don't want to be the person who's like like, you don't want to miss it you know if there was an episode to miss this could be it
0: it very well could be (laughs) i i can't contest that